The Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by Beeline. Visit findyoursiffingpoint.com and by Michter's American Whiskeys. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Fred Minnick Show. Of course, I'm Fred. I can't wait for you to get to this guest today, Emerson Hart, frontman for Tonic. And I'm telling you, you know, like a kajillion of his songs. He's been, his stuff's all in the movies. Probably the most famous ones in American Pie. He's got a solo album out right now, too, that I hope you download and listen to. It's really, really, really good. But more than anything, so we just talk about bourbon, and we talk about whiskey, and we talk about history, and we talk a lot about wine. This guy has a palate, just a cool dude. Uh, you're going to love this interview. Check it out. Enjoy. But first, a word from our sponsors. At Michter's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single barrel whiskey as we do, each and every barrel has to be perfect. No detail is too small for our production team. From careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier or lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, to heat cycling our barrel houses, to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michter's gets bottled until our master distiller Dan McKee and our master of maturation Andrea Wilson say it's just right. Michter's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Michter's Whiskey, go to michters.com, or visit your favorite bartender. Michter's Distillery. It's all about the whiskey. Imagine this, an experience centered around five Kentucky Bourbon Trail craft tour distilleries in northern Kentucky, the gateway to Kentucky bourbon. Add five amazing bourbon-centric bars and five delicious bourbon-focused restaurants, cultivating the freshest takes and culinary delights, and you are on the beeline. Start your trip today at findyoursippingpoint.com. Joining the show is the, the great Emerson Hart. How are you, man? Doing all right? I'm, do, I'm doing great, bro. No complaints. It's, uh, it's a little hot in Tennessee today, but it's, uh, yeah. it's still a sunny day, and I'll take it. So it's better than January. You know, it, it, the, the, summer, the summers in Tennessee, Georgia, Mississippi, just the south, it's like you walk out in the walk out, there's a big old cloud of humidity. It's like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, we call it the pea soup. <laughs> oh, man. It is uh, yeah, it's a lot of time indoors for sure with air conditioning. Mm-hmm. I think of all the things that's going on in the world right now, I think that's the one thing that you would truly see people unite and boycott, and that is if you took away air conditioning. Yeah, man, I, you know, I grew up, uh, my house is 201 years old this year. It's an old, you know, southern plantation farmhouse, and uh, I often think about what it must have been like, you know, it must have been crazy hot. I mean, just crazy hot. And it's three bricks thick and, you know, and it's built on top of a hill and the way it's ventilated, I'm sure it it worked fine and I guess you got used to it. But on a day like today when it's 92 and it's bright sun, I don't know how they did it. <laughs> I really yeah. don't. 
Well, I think it's fair to say that our ancestors were quite a bit tougher than us. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. So, how have you been handling uh, COVID? Has it has it impacted you? I mean, obviously, it's impacted all of us from a business perspective. But how has it impacted you, like personally? Um, well, uh, you know, we've I've had two, three friends now who've. Uh, contracted the disease and and uh, have gotten through it, thank God, and they're fine. Um, but it's it's been very strange. I mean, we're you know obviously this is the the longest time I've been home in 23 years because I've been touring you know for all of my career with Tonic and and solo and with Ezra Hart with the other projects that I do. Um, but I think personally, it's just been even though I'm a shut-in when I come home off the road, that's not a big change for me. But being a shut-in for this long has been a huge change for me. Thank God we've got, yeah. you know, we're on almost six acres, so I can walk around. We've got a creek and, you know, stuff like that. And it's been great spending time with my daughter. And, uh, you know, we're pregnant right now. We have a baby boy due in August. So I look at it this oh. way. It's like I wouldn't have been able to enjoy that, you know. I've been actually yeah. been able to be home and enjoy it. Yeah, you you know, family. That is one thing. Like, I'm I'm home for dinner, you know, and I've almost never been home for dinner, you know, because I travel a lot too, and mm-hmm. um, you know. But it's you know, the kids. Um, how old's your daughter? She's twelve. So she probably can understand it a little bit better than you know a lot of kids, because that's at that age where they understand the world some. But still, at twelve years old, man, you want to be at school playing with your friends and hanging out, you know. It's true, and I and to be honest, I don't think uh, we just moved back to phase two here, and uh, just because people weren't paying attention, they weren't wearing masks, and they were down on Broadway and the honky tonks, and you know having a good time and just not being smart. So now we're, I mean, I I really believe that uh, I don't think she's going to be going back to school this fall. I mean, it's going to be distance learning because we start school here starts in August. So, wow, well. Well, let's not, if we go down this road too much, we'll both get depressed and, uh, you know, forget about the whiskey part, you know, yeah. so, so let's, uh, let, let's drink a little whiskey. Now I'm going to, I'm going to show you, uh, the bottles that I had sent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks like the, the lights were all bright on them, but we sent, uh, I sent you, um, the wild turkey bottle to bond. That's a contender mm-hmm. for my whiskey of the year. Old Fitzgerald Bottled Bond, which is a really nice uh, uh, weeded bourbon, mm-hmm. uh, a Peerless that won my uh, best craft whiskey uh, a few years ago, mm-hmm. and then a uh, Kentucky Al, which is incredibly, uh, you know, incredibly complicated. One of the, it's their first batch, but definitely their one of their best ever. And and so we have we have a really nice lineup here. Mm-hmm. for a whiskey fan and i understand that you're a whiskey fan so i wanted to send you something you know send you some fun stuff that we could explore together and and, and talk about and i'd actually i'd actually like to start with the peerless now for those okay. who kind of like taste you know professionally would say you know that's a that's a bad one to start with because it's 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 so different and it's a mm-hmm. it's a higher proof than the most that's up there. But I want to start with this because I kind of want to like talk about this uh, you know the kind of like a new age of whiskey. You have a lot of these new small distillers coming into the game, and this is uh, one of them. 
This is mm-hmm. started by a gentleman by the name of Corky Taylor and his son. They've got a young master distiller there, and um, they're doing it right. They didn't source. They're, they're making all their own liquid. It is some good stuff. So let's start there. Okay. You can see they, where are they where are they lo- that, where are they located? Oh, they're you know they're uh they're downtown Louisville, oh, okay. uh, on the west side, right right up against the uh, Ohio River. Mm. Get a little bit of that in my palm. So, how do you how do you normally taste whiskey? What's your what's your normal process? Um. Like you said, I don't. I wouldn't usually. I, I do have water. Um, I wouldn't start. I probably wouldn't have started there, but I'm excited to start here because that's that's a big boy already. I can smell it. I usually take a little mm-hmm. bit of the uh, bourbon. I rub it in my palm, and I like to cup it so I can smell all that oh. that mash. You like the you like this you know play around with it the old Freddie Johnson yeah. style smell. Yeah, yeah, I dig that. I, I, I like a little that. bit of it. A, a buddy of mine who, when I was kind of studying and learning about tequilas, kind of showed that to me. I was like, well, I wonder if that would work with whiskeys. And uh, I had remembered that I was, uh, Tonic was playing at the Jim Beam Distillery. This is when Booker was still alive. Oh, and wow. uh, Mr. No. And I saw him do that. And I had not remembered that when my buddy was showing it to me. And I remember Booker sat on the porch and we tried some different whiskeys. And a very large man, as you know, he was. Um, but so I don't know. I kind of like to do that. I, I don't do that with wine, obviously, but, but with whiskeys and hard spirits, I do like to do it. Okay. Woo, man, that is 109 good. proof, Holy uh, cow, straight rye, four years old. Surgery. <laughs> <laughs> man. So when you're, when you're on tour, do you drink a little whiskey before you get on stage? Yes, I do. And I drink it neat. I do like to drink it neat. Um, so after- a lot of people, a lot of people say that whiskey will dry out the voice or it will clear the voice. So I find that you know there's there's two sides here. Where where do you stand? I, I, since you're having it on before you go on stage, I imagine it helps you. Yeah, alcohol is you know obviously is a it's a dehydrator. I know that color's crazy. Um, Definitely a dehydrator, but the thing is, is you should be hydrating all day. So really, when you when mm. when you drink, uh, you know, have a, a few tops of whiskey, a few fingers of it before you go on, it, that any kind of dehydration won't show up for like an hour and a half. It's just not how our bodies work. You know, if you're hydrated already, it's fine. And then afterwards, I'll have it with a little bit of soda, just like some old. Uh, I do like Irish whiskeys in the evening, um, Middletons and and you know Jamos. Oh, Middleton's, that's where it's at. A little mm-hmm. red breast too. You like are you a red breast fan? I am. I am. I had a I just finished a bottle of ninety seven Middleton that I brought back many years ago when I, we were touring in Europe. And uh it was I was very sad to see it leave my kitchen. Yeah. Oof. They have some great whiskeys coming out of there. Okay, so this is a really young whiskey. Yeah? Yep, it's four years old. But there's um, there's like an oiliness to it. Man, that alcohol really makes some legs on that, huh? 
<laughs> is it mm. it's really forward with the with the mash is you are you getting like a real strong note of that yeah you can like i get a so this is a rye and i i get a big old piece of rye toast mm-hmm. you know so it's graduated a little bit from like the raw like the raw grains mm-hmm. to a little bit more of a toast for me um but this is one to me also it's got it's got some really nice really nice spices to it and i like the way it feels it's kind of oily on my palate mm-hmm. there's like um there's a lot of um i i, I would say like like kind of like a molasses undertone of like a like an oil structure if you will mm-hmm. it's definitely always, coat, uh, i kind of it coats the tongue there's no doubt about it it's yeah. a heavy it's a heavy coat it also has a little bit of a and it's it might just be my crazy pal but i i taste uh it's like almost like a clove it has a little bit of a clovey taste oh, to yeah. it look at you man you gotta you like you know, bringing it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's good with. I don't know about bringing. I could be totally wrong, but that's what I taste. No, that's just it. Is like everybody everybody smells and tastes differently. But you know what I perceive to be like, um, you know, spice. Uh, you know, definitely cl- could be clove. Um, you know, so I think that's br- I think that's beautiful. So, so this you've is been, a uh, young company. You're you're, you you're like uh, you have such like an incredible like you know story in music and that you have seen you have you have seen like the change in the music industry like 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 so much from from uh, you know the 90s the early 2000s to, to whatever we are today um, you know what what's a in your career what what are some of the things that have stood out in terms of like the massive change we've seen in, in the music business um, obviously, the birth of the streaming technology has completely changed the landscape of our business. Um, you know, we we were among very few of the bands that were still able to sell millions of records. You know, that just doesn't, unless you're a top, 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 that doesn't happen anymore. Um, that's been an interesting change. And I know everybody, uh, you know, has been really mad about it. But I think, look, it's just, it's another way to listen to music. And once they get, you know, the NSAI, the Songwriters Association has been really, you know, we passed some important legislation this past year about streaming royalties and how they should be paid. Um, you know, because we're still getting paid like it's 1909. It's from sheet music. It's it's insanity, you know. Mm-hmm. So you have companies like uh, Amazon and other big boys that want to not they want to sue, you know, they're trying to bring all the lobbyists in and, and knock that law down because they don't, want, they don't, they don't feel like, you know, they should be paying that kind of money, which is joke money really at the end of the day. So I think, um, mm-hmm. I think it's been, it's been good. And I think, uh, barring a pandemic that we're in right now, uh, you know, live music is alive and well, you know, and still mm-hmm. great. And I just, uh, I always, the younger artists that I work with, I always try to instill in them that that's important. Like you have to be able to use your instrument. You have to be able to play. You have to be able to put on a show. You are, you, you also are an entertainer. You know, that's what you do. Yeah. 
and your your stuff has been like licensed so much for like movies and commercials mm. you know it's like you've got like this um you know you, you your stuff lives in, lives forever in like 15 second bits and in, in, in various <laughs> movies yeah. And, yeah yeah it's true do, do you have a favorite movie you have a favorite movie that or a commercial that your stuff's mm. been used in uh, I would probably say, man, I thought being involved in, you know, American Pie, that first one, that being the theme song kind of for the movie and shooting the video for it and having all the actors and I, that, that's always great. I, I love that. Yeah. You know, and all, there was a ton of other nineties, you know, early two thousands movies and stuff that we've, we've been licensed and, and had, uh, had my songs in, but, but really that, I think that was the coolest. You know, just because it's like well, American it Pie represented it represented our generation. You mm-hmm. know, of it, it was our um, it was in a sense it was our Animal House. Of, yes, uh, you know, no doubt. It was I don't think it was as funny as Animal House, but it was pretty darn close. Yeah, there's not much funny as Animal House though. <laughs> that, was, that stuff was funny. Yeah. So let's go to the Kentucky Al. This is a this is a straight rye. As well, okay. it's in that same proof point. Mm-hmm. It's 110 proof, uh, but this is 11 years old, so it's got some age to it. Mm-hmm. And Emerson, this is—I um, think when this came out, I scored it a 96. This, you know, so this came out in 2017, mm-hmm. and that—that's all I have left of it. So <sighs> I'm sharing some of my last drops with you, oh, buddy. You know what? You are very, very kind. Well, when uh, when uh, when Maddie and Clay were were connected with me, there's like he, you know Emerson's a whiskey fan. Mm-hmm. He would love to come on. Let's make this happen. I was like, yeah. all right, what can I send him? You know, that he'd appreciate. So I, I I'm not a guy that sends things that are hyped up or if you will. Mm-hmm. Although Kentucky Owl had had its moment in the hype sun. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But this was this was truly a great a great whiskey when it came out. Oh, man, that smells beautiful. It's like a big caramel punch. Mm. To me, it, there's like a spice rack there. You mm-hmm. know, I'm going like in, like my, in my grandma's kitchen and opening up that spice rack and just smelling that wood mm-hmm. and all those notes. Mm. And I'm drinking this for my Bourbon and Beyond Plastic Glencairn, which I'm a co-creator in. It's Those are beautiful. Music fest- one of our music festivals in Louisville. Thank you. Mm. And um, we had Foo Fighters last year. Stevie Nicks uh, opened it, you know, in 2017. I'm pretty sure Tonic would have been a good, would have been a good band. Definitely would have been a good band. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, you know, this will be over soon. I hope. Well, not soon enough, but man, this right. is really, this is a beautiful whiskey. It is such a different whiskey than the other. Mm-hmm. They're, and they're both Kentucky Rise. Yeah. One's an example of a, of a craft distilled column. You know, and this one also is a column, but it's got, you know, it's got a lot of years on it. It mm-hmm. shows you that time in the barrel every year counts, you know? Beautiful color. 
Wow. That is real spicy. Mm. But grown up. It's a real grown up whiskey. It's uh it's a hard to come by one too. <laughs> yeah, my, there's not many of these left. That's the last little bit I got. <laughs> you are kind to share, so, my friend. Well, you know, it's it's great to have you on because you know we've never met, but I've listened to your music for forever, and I feel like I feel like I know you through your songs, you know. Mm-hmm. And you can't say that about everybody, you know, who's in music. But I feel like your music does kind of show your personality a little bit. Am I wrong there? Is that your intent? No, I mean, look, you know, I I think when I started writing when I was really young and I never wanted to be somebody else. I didn't want to, you know, I always just wrote what I know. So that's what I do. Whatever I'm going on in my life or what's happening, uh, you know, I just try to be as honest as possible as I can with the music as it comes out. It's not always good. It's not always right. Um, It and sometimes it's not, you know, it's not okay to be in a relationship with me because I don't hold punches. You know, I just, I put it out there. And, uh, mm-hmm. but I think if I have found in my career that if I'm honest in my songwriting, other people are going through the same thing. Yeah. You know, whether it's solo records or tonic songs, other people identify with it. And uh, there's a, I was talking to a buddy of mine the other night. He's a very, very big songwriter. His name's David Hodges. He started Evanescence and has written 80, 89 million records, pretty much, is what he sold with all the hits he's had with different bands. But I said, the power of music that is so fantastic to me is that we can be playing a show in Germany and there can be a 28-year-old kid in the front row and he's singing back the lyrics to me that I've written that was a thought in my head 20 years ago. But he owns that. It's in his head. It is part of his dialogue. That song was part of his life. But it was just a thought. And I'll never see that guy again, probably. I didn't meet him. But my thought is inside of his head, and he's singing it back to me. That is the power of music. That, that's what I love. I, I think that is so... And it's not even about the power of it. It's just about the magic of it. I mean, we are so yeah. musical as, as humans. Not to go down a hippy-dippy road, but I, I just love it just love it yeah and you know i miss music i miss i miss i miss being in that row or back by the sound stage mm-hmm. i think my least favorite place to actually watch a concert is backstage because you don't really get you don't really get nah. good i mean yeah. i don't like backstage i like the sound the sound area but uh I, I miss even just like a like a random dive bar acoustic guitarist you know i miss it mm-hmm. I, I, and we need it we need music back and you know you're you're starting to see some some musicians come out and start to play at a great risk and they're they're getting crucified you know so oh i know and now you know i don't know if this is public knowledge or not but i, I know that a lot of let's just call them big promoter venues and companies uh, they're wanting artists to carry their own insurance. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> That's not fire. <laughs> like, we've made you fortunes. You can't do that. That's not okay. Seriously, so, they're, they're, try- yeah. they're, they're trying to say, like, you guys mm. are coming to play at my venue, but you have to have your own insurance. Yes. And wow. that, that's just that's starting it off on the wrong foot. And I, I think 
I, I highly doubt something like that will go through. I mean, if you're a band at like a U2 size or Coldplay size or, you know, sure, you can afford that. But for, you know, for a band that does a couple thousand a night in tickets, like that, that's a lot, man. It's a lot to carry. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. thank you for sharing this. This is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I might, I might, uh, if I can get my hands on another bottle, I'll send you some more. Yeah. The hunt begins. Mm. Mm. Just fantastic. That's going to be hard to so beat, now man. We're going to move on. We're going to move on from, from rye whiskey to bottled and bond bourbon. Okay. Now, bottled and bond was our country's very first Consumer Protection Legislation Act. Mm-hmm. It was passed in 1897, signed by Grover Cleveland. It essentially means that the whiskey has to be at least four years old, 100 proof, and distilled at one distillery in one distilling season. But what was happening in that time in the 1800s is you had all of these, um, all these people from, from the wholesalers and rectifier side who were taking barrels of whiskey and adding things like prune juice and tobacco spit and acid and they were you know putting it out on the market and at that time doctors and druggists would actually give whiskey to sick patients and they would the people wouldn't get better now was it because the whiskey was you know tainted who can say but mm-hmm. that was their claim like well i you know i had bad whiskey so of course he got he kept being sick so the the distillers and druggists and doctors all lobbied Congress for this for this act. So now, and it still remains on bottles today. So anytime you see that that uh, bottled and bond uh, label, mm-hmm. you have you have a guarantee um, of basically its its purity. And um, and so this this is uh, anytime you taste bottled and bond, it is a taste of history. Now, bottled and bond kind of went extinct a little bit because it's more expensive to produce. You can't blend mm-hmm. in stuff from previous years. You have to just stick stick to that distilling season, and, um, and so there's not a lot on the market. These are a couple of limited edition ones. This is the old Fitzgerald uh, bottled in the fall of uh, 2018, distilled in uh, 2009. <laughs> Which I was thinking, right. thinking about this. 2009 was a pretty good year for you, wasn't it? It was. It was. I've had some up ones and some down ones, but nine ranks in there pretty good. Yeah. I had uh, come off of that solo record, Cigarettes of Gasoline. I had two top 15s or one top 10 and then one top 15 off of that. So there were a good couple of years after that. I mean, my life fell apart, but, you know, I got a divorce and all the rest of that. But other than that, it was, it was a great year. <laughs> great year. Um, well, you know, I, I think that's that's a part of like you know people don't people don't always see the personal side that you all you know that you all face because it is tough being on the road and there's mm-hmm. a lot of demands on you as a musician and I know it's hard. It is, but you know, you uh, you sign on to make art for a living. Don't cry about it. I drink whiskey for a living. Yeah, brother. That's exactly. My, that's. <laughs> That's my talent. You you could you could play. I I, I drink. <laughs> I'm gonna put a little bit of this in here. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna do the Emerson Hart technique here, folks. 
Oh yeah. Mm. Smells cool. like uh, smells like my sheets after a night in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're a trip, man. <laughs> Now, do you, uh, you know, do you know the history behind the word fits? Do you know this history? I can explain it to you if you don't. Uh, the word fits or Fitzgerald? Well, uh, fit fits. Any anytime you see fits in a name, mm-hmm. it means mm-hmm. not not of the pure line. That's what any. That's how they mm-hmm. would name bastards: Fitzsimmons, Fitzhugh, Fitzpatrick. All not of all not sired from the pure line, but from a mistress. Wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. How do you like that? That's really clean. Mmm. It's a little unfair coming off that other one. Yeah. To this one. Still really big, though. But it's, just, it's, it, even though I know it's probably not fair, like you said, but it does, this one feels cleaner and softer. It's just like a softer whiskey. And I know the proof is different, right? Because we came from 100. Yeah, it's 100 proof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not, I mean, that's not a huge proof. It's not a huge drop. Mm hmm. But. Mm. Do you get vanilla on the top of that? A little bit. Yeah, no? this is a this is pretty well a vanilla bomb. Yeah. It's um. Yeah, I, I get I get vanilla. I get like uh, cracker jacks. Mm. Um, I get um, a lot of like um, kettle corn. You know, mm. so that's kind of Cracker Jacky. I loved Cracker Jacks when I was a kid. Man, I used to just yeah. sit there in the movie theater, pound back, and just hope I was going to get that peanut. Like, I just loved that peanut. That was my favorite part of the experience, getting that little crunchy, caramelly peanut. You know, I love, I, I love Cracker Jacks. I'd have them after, I'd have them at the, at the baseball game. I grew up mm-hmm. in Oklahoma City. And we had this team, the 80, uh, Oklahoma City 89ers, which is named after the, the people who basically founded Oklahoma as we know it in 1889. And um, one time I had like a little, little popcorn kernel got stuck mm, in my the gums. Gum. And, it, oh, yeah. and, it's, and it took me like, like, a, like a week to get that damn thing out of there. <laughs> so, you know, I mean... So I can't I can't think of Cracker Jacks without my the right side of my upper gum going like hey motherfucker, don't be eating that shit again you know but uh, they are good. Oh man, I love it. But this so is what, what's really... some other like 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 uh, junk food? What kind of junk food do you like? Because I find that there's a lot of junk food notes in whiskey. Yeah, uh, I'm a you know I'm obviously I I love the the kettle corns of any kind. Um, um, a classic. Every time I change planes in Chicago, I'm getting you know the cheddar cheese and caramel combo of popcorn. Uh, nuts on Clark. 
And um, I love really, really thick crusted pizza. I don't oh, ever yeah. get I don't ever get pizza from whiskey, but um, I do tend to eat quite a bit of pizza after whiskey. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's do you have a favorite delivery uh, pizza company? Right now, I'm living in the in the Jets world because I like their deep dish that they make, and it's really just it's so, so does my easy. wife. Yeah, that's kind of my, my zone wife right orders. now. Yeah, Jets uh, is killing it. It is, man. And I'll tell you, and then just to try to be on the healthy tip of it, uh, their cauliflower, which my wife really was trying to sell me on, because she she'll make a cauliflower crusted pizza, and it's delicious when mm-hmm. she makes it. She was like, "Well, Jets has one now. We should just order it just to see if you like it." And I was like. I don't know if I want to do that. This is like a dangerous road, and you're asking me to do something I don't want to do. And so we did it, and I got to say it was pretty darn good. It's pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah, but I'll take the well, easy deep dish. Yeah, I, um, I'm i a big fan of, uh, of like, New York style, you know, Sicilian. I like mm-hmm. the Detroit style of pizza. But... You know, occasionally you will get a pizza note, but it'll be kind of like that burnt edge of uh, of pizza dough. Uh, mm-hmm. You might get like a tomato sauce note in um, in a whiskey, although I think that's more prevalent in mezcal than in whiskey. Um, Without a but, doubt. Um, I do drink a lot of mezcal as well. I just got, actually got two. My wife found two great little boutique uh, companies. Um and there is always just a little bit of that burnt rubber that's always kind of on yeah. the front end of it, you know? Just like when you drink a great Sav Blanc out of Chile, it's got that cat, mm-hmm. like strong cat odor, um, almost like a cat litter. And that, that of course, the, the good cat odor is what gets us all to drink it, so. Exactly. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know who started a Mezcal? Uh, Alex Ebert from uh, Edward Sharp. I heard this. He started one. Yeah. Have you tried yeah, it yet? Uh, uh, he sent me he sent me a couple bottles, mm-hmm. but I have not yet tried it. But uh, he he's been on the um, he's been on the activist train here lately. So um, I think busy. he's uh, he he's been busy. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, but uh, he's a he's an interesting cat. I don't know if you've ever ever played with Edward Sharp, but I have never played with him. Never played with him, but I've I've heard uh, many a actual hilarious stories about him. So, so, uh, so I had him uh, on the show once, and this was back when you could be in a room, and it was in my trailer, mm-hmm. and you know on the set, and he's like, oh, I can't drink whiskey. You know, whiskey's you know it hurts my stomach, and so I was going through my bar, which I had a you know. It, it, it was away from my office, so I only had like 50 bottles. But mm-hmm. I knew I would have people that wouldn't like whiskey, so I brought some other things. I brought like a grappa, some gin, uh, some tequilas, some mezcal. And I was like, hey, let's try some grappa. And uh, grappa is uh, was a distilled oh. spirit made out of Italy. Oh, yeah. And uh, he loved it, took the whole bottle with him. And then I later heard from people that he was on – he was going into his hotel room uh, in Louisville with 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 the grappa. So, uh, went big win. <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful with grappa, man. That is some really strong stuff. 
if you it, it's strong and i think there's like another element to it you know it's, yeah and because it's really just it's it's grape skin isn't it i mean it, it, at the end of the yep. day it's it's really what it is and it's still uh, grape skin that's right yeah and it's uh when i i lived in france for about a year and uh in the burgundy region which kind of how i started uh, i fell in love with wine when i was 18 uh was living there but there was a girl that I was dating at the time who was obsessed with grappa, and she would uh, she was Greek. I know it's probably it's an Italian spirit, but but she the mm-hmm. Greeks claim it as theirs. And uh, man, some of that stuff was so strong, even on an eighteen year old liver, it would put me down. I mean, just yeah. put me down. Yeah, it's uh, it's like wormwood. It, it's that weird other thing you don't know what's going on with absinthe. You know. You know they have this. Um, you know, there, there's no studies out there that say, like, certain alcohols affect you differently. But I know that when I drink tequila, um, I know it's different than when I drink bourbon, you know, and the same with grappa. Mm-hmm. At least my head feels differently the next day. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. I was burning through a couple of those mezcals two nights ago when my wife brought them home. And uh, next morning it was... Oh, it's a little cloudy. Cloudy with a chance yeah. of, uh, slight chance of hangover. It was, it's pretty good. <laughs> well, let, let's get to the next one here. This mm. is the uh, Wild Turkey. Mm-hmm. This is uh, Bottled and Bond. This is, I'm about to draw my glass. This is their, uh, their latest uh, limited edition, and it is on my uh, list for uh, American Whiskeys of the Year, so... This has got a strong chance of winning. All right. Some good stuff. So are you, uh, do you have your Kentucky colonelship? Have you received that? I'm sure you probably have. I am a colonel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am as well. Back. Right on. Mm-hmm. We've, uh, um, I'll be sure to tell them. Actually, I'm really close with them. Uh, I've, I've helped them raise some money and done some, volunteer things but uh, that's awesome when did you become a colonel uh 1999 and 99 that's yeah, awesome it's a, yeah i'm somehow also connected to hart county kentucky which was one of the offshoots of my family no way mm-hmm. a lot of moonshine there yeah a lot of moonshine i've never lived there i've only driven through there but my sister still lives, and uh, she owns a, a thoroughbred breeding farm in uh, Lexington. She's in Paris, Kentucky, which is right outside. Okay. So. A lot of uh, history in Paris, too. Tons. Yeah, that's a, that's the thing about you know Kentucky. There's so much, um, there's so much you know history that goes back to the 1800s. Oh yeah. And it's just there's so many, so many cool stories I hear. So if you have a family that's got like a you know county named after him that's awesome you know Not a lot well of he's say that yeah they're they're i mean they would have been cousins because i'm more from the john hart line which were the uh the declaration of independence side or john hart so we we all kind of come from that side and then my mother's side were they're all mayflower peoples we're celebrating our 400th year this year of my family being wow. in the country you're like uh you're legit i'm like a we have no idea what I am. I'm just like a, I'm like a pound mutt, you know. 
Everybody's got mutt, man. That's why we're healthy. <laughs> and I was trying to explain this to somebody the other day. We were talking about the, the society and, and the Mayflower. And I was like, dude, you do realize, like, I'm no more American than the guy who just got his citizenship. Like, it's irrelevant. That's yeah. what America is. That's what makes us amazing is there is, is no, I am no more American than that guy. That's how it works. And that's why it works. I wish more people would take that, no, no pun intended, would take that mm-hmm. to heart mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, there's a, there's a sense of superiority, you know, from, from some um, about their culture being better. Yeah, it's not true. It's ridiculous. Yeah. We're, I mean, our culture is a mix of cultures. That's what we are. I mean, when, when my family got here, they, they were run into, for, you know, religious persecution. That's the only reason Plymouth was built. No, it just so happened that it worked. Mm. Man, this smells beautiful. And then we become a country because we become a country because um, some people didn't want to pay taxes. <laughs> and I can't blame them. <laughs> my, my my family, uh, I'm a, had quite a few of my my great, my I guess eleventh, twelfth, ninth generations who fought in that war. And I'm very grateful for it. Wow. Man, this smells great. But it, it's, I don't know what it is about wild turkey, man, but it's literally like, it's the cologne, you know exactly what it is. It always, it's like a signature smell. Every time I have mm-hmm. it. We call it the wild turkey funk. Is that what it is? Huh. We call it the funk. Yeah. All right, man. I get it. I can get with that, te- that terminology. Mm-hmm. I'm just realizing I'm look, I look like a, like a bush pilot. <laughs> I look like I'm flying cocaine out of Miami. Look at the big headphones in my hat. <laughs> hey, man, if you were flying cocaine out of Miami, mm-hmm. we'd be having a very different conversation. We would be. Oh, man, that's really Where's great. my money? Where's my money, Emerson? Where's my money? <laughs> yeah. where's, where's my blow? Oh, dude. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? This is really great. So this is 17 years old. 17 years old. It's the first um, bottled and bond that Wild Turkey's released. So this mm-hmm. is like this is a historic bottle in many sense. Um, very excited about this one. Yeah, it sure is pretty. But man, it just has that Wild Turkey thing, man. Mm-hmm. Hush. Mm. Wow. That is really good. Hey, hush. Quit. Phoebe, quit. You want to bark? Go outside. (laughs) Welcome to farm life, bro. (laughs) What kind of dog? Oh, she's just like a half German shepherd, half God knows what her mother got. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but yeah, you know, she's just a mutt, but she, she loves chasing deer and, um, she's really good in the field though. She never, you know, when I, I shoot a lot of trap and skeet around here cause we're, we sit in the middle of kind of a trust and they're developing the mm-hmm. end of it, but we're still kind of protected. So she'll sit down there with me and go to sleep and I'll, I'll, you know, blasting off four tens and 
12 gauges and over and under 28 and 12 and she doesn't doesn't flinch she's fine so she's definitely got something else in her well Mm. we're uh we're talking about getting another dog and you know my wife wanted to get uh she wanted to get a french bulldog i'm like when did you when when did you want to when did that happen we've always been getting dogs from pounds and stuff she's like i just really want a french bulldog so she starts looking at french bulldogs and like holy shit they're 12 grand yeah dude they ain't cheap i mean we're not getting that french bulldog and they also they they can't breed they're like anatomically you can't they don't work that way like, yeah, it's like it's a shelf life of eight years or something. Yeah, the whole thing. It's like buying a, an old Triumph Spitfire. It's great for like yeah. the first couple of years, and then the clutch burns out and all the wiring goes on it. You know, it's not good. <laughs> so, I mean, the conversations you have you have in marriage over stuff, it's just like this is one of them where it's like, where are you coming from? But hopefully she doesn't listen to this um this episode and I don't get in trouble for this. So. I think you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. <laughs> don't worry about it. All right. So what's your, what's your verdict here on the, on the Turkey bottle to bond? I think it's a really beautiful whiskey. <clears throat> it does taste like a wild Turkey. So I got to give him dap for that. That's a real sign of a, you know, of a great company, a great distiller. And, um, it's it's it it tastes safe to me, but still mature and, and beautiful. It's like right the difference between a, a Napa Cab and a and a a great Bordeaux. They they should have the same notes, but the Bordeaux in general is going to taste more mature. Mm-hmm. I love a Napa yeah. Cab. Don't get me wrong, but so I'm a kind of an old world guy uh, when it comes to wine. And, you know, some of those earthy notes that you would get, um, you know, from Burgundy, mm-hmm. um, I have I found like in in some of wild turkey and, you know, I, you know, and there's some rones that I would describe that have like some dirt notes to them. Oh, yeah. And and I apply that same kind of like, you know, some of those same tasting notes to wild turkey. Mm hmm people perceive like dirt as like a bad note but really it's not it's uh it's just a real you know earthy you know undertone but but um so where would you how would you rank these what is your what is your pick um for the whiskeys we've had man i gotta i gotta say i think the kentucky owl might be my favorite that is a really beautiful whiskey nice yeah i think it's great so i'd put Kentucky Owl, and it's kind of apples and oranges because of the rye thing, but uh, mm-hmm. I think the Old Fitzgerald is fantastic. The Wild Turkey is fantastic, but I would say if we, were, if we had to, if somebody really put us under pressure to put the, the, the list together, I would say Kentucky Owl number one, Wild Turkey second, and then I would. Uh, I lost you there. Oh, uh, I do. Uh, I would. I would do uh, Kentucky Owl first. Okay. Then I would do the Wild Turkey second. 
And then I'm going to put O. Fitzgerald and Peerless right at the back. That's exactly I that's, how I ranked him. Really? Exactly hmm. how I ranked him. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, there's something so wonderful about that Kentucky Owl, man. I don't know what it is. It just, it's such a mouthful of all the stuff you need. It's, like I said, just a little bit of the clove notes, uh, spice mm-hmm. to it, um, but still has the, the bottom of a vanilla to make it like a great. Uh, a great rice pudding. It's just like it. Just it's got all the stuff in it, you know. Uh, so you're um, you're you're about to you're about to go to dinner. You mm-hmm. really want to have this whiskey. What dinner are you choosing that you think would pair really well with this 11 year old batch one Kentucky Al? Um, <clears throat> I'm going to say that if I was going to go to dinner and I was going to have uh, something a little bit more on the wild fare. If we're doing like uh, squab, if we're doing pheasant, um, some barbecued, mostly baked, I would do that. I would probably serve uh, fresh green beans with it. Also do a very, very heavy risotto to kind of back it up. I think all of those things would kind of mix in with that. It's just more of a wild fare whiskey to me. I don't know if I would have that with a steak. If I was going to have a steak, to be honest, I'd probably have the old Fitzgerald. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. You you would be you you would pick the old Fitzgerald as your as your whiskey of choice here for a steak. For a steak, yeah, I don't know why because yeah. I feel like I feel like the wild turkey has so it's so specific. I don't know if I would have that with dinner. I would have that after dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, and kind of let that stand alone. It has to stand alone, and that's my opinion. Um, But I could definitely pair that that Kentucky Owl with great venison, with great pheasant, uh, even with with maybe a trout dish. I don't think I would do it with salmon because I think it'd be too fatty. But but Mm -hmm. I would definitely do the trout. Awesome. Well, man, I'm a I'm a big fan. I love what you're doing. I love your music. Um, I'm, I'm I was so thrilled and tickled to find out you're a whiskey a, a whiskey head yeah, i am I a whiskey head but your passion's wine right like you that's true that's where where it kind of comes from yeah my, my my passion for alcohol definitely started with wine um i learned about whiskey probably in my early 20s and kind of grew from there i mean my grandfather who lived almost to 100 he always had uh great old bottles of whiskey in his library and I'm not saying that I didn't, as a young man, maybe spend some time by the fire with my grandfather and sample some of these. Um, but they were just too strong, and I didn't understand at that point. <clears throat> so when I, I kind of moved to wine, I, I've learned a lot about wine. I'm just now starting to learn about Italian wine, which I'm completely ignorant about. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of expanding my palate there. But, you know, I still try to get to Kentucky once a year. My, a few buddies of mine will go up and we'll hit Willet and some of our other favorite places and kind of dig around and learn some you know it's a process you know i just try not to overdo it you know but yeah. wine i overdo this is a this is definitely an issue i buy a lot of wine <laughs> well it's easy to do it's mm-hmm. easy to do you can you can you can buy uh you can buy a lot of wine um and it'll get you you know i today we just i just got back from the liquor store before we before i hopped on this is why i was a little late we mm-hmm. were we were stocking up for the weekend. I mean, I just kept putting stuff in the basket in the basket, and then I checked out. I was like, "Oh, I guess five hundred dollars is what I'm spending today on uh, 
on tequila and bourbon. So it, it happens, happens fast. It happens fast, man. I've I've tried to one of the real great things I'm sure about your job as well as my job is just I've been able to spend time with a lot of great fitness and make relationships with them and be like, what is, is this worth this? Is this worth this? And how does this taste? Is this too young? Like uh, every time I go to Napa, which is at least four times a year, um, I get to meet great people and be educated. Just like today, I'm learning from you. Like I, I love that. I, I love the shared community sense of bourbon wine uh i just love that it's just i love to learn you know and have you spent any time at uh maynard's winery i have not arizona from tool i have not he sent me um a couple of great you know he's more of a barolo guy he's more of a italian spanish um Mm -hmm. guy uh we talked a little bit about tempraneos which was still is like wonderful a great tempraneo is can change your life it can make a lunch yeah. into a great dinner uh mm-hmm. and even though i tend to be more of a french guy but uh yeah he he had one that was it's a barolo um and i gotta say man it was fantastic it was absolutely fantastic it was a great wine i was like jesus you grew this in arizona it's crazy to me but when you think about it dude spain is insanely dry in some sections i mean it's like a desert it's it's, arizona's a lot like argentina too exactly mendoza especially Mm -hmm. um but i i just think it's I, i what i love about musicians um and this is why i really i really try to find musicians um you know to come on the show that talk whiskey with is because there's the taste uh, taste seems to be connected to creativity and mm-hmm. like you know this is this is genetic this is like you know also train but to be able to spot what you taste in, in some ways is the same way you're able to tap into your emotions to write a song mm-hmm. and what I have found is is that you know musical talent uh, almost are always great tasters because you're very reflective and and that's I think that's amazing what what Maynard's been able to apply as a as an actual winemaker you know to some of his stuff because it's I mean he's he's putting Arizona wine on the map I know dude I mean and it's he's a serious dude like I'm not real I'm not close with him we have the same management and I've slowly gotten to know him a little bit but dude he is a serious guy and i love how serious he is because he's also hilariously dry like his wit is is fantastic yeah he's he's talented i mean yeah yeah, that that uh of course represented by shelter shelter also you know represents me but i mean you know for whatever reason they're like you know me but uh you know there's you mick fleetwood maynard Mm-hmm. It makes no sense, but I'll take I know. It. I know. Hey, look, it's a big happy family, brother. It's a big happy yeah. family. <laughs> well, I, I've loved this conversation. It's not going to be uh, the last for sure. Uh, so just you know, tell us what you're working on now, and you know what's something you you got coming down the pike that you know listeners can go check out. Um, you know, I just, I released a solo album a couple months ago, right before the pandemic. It was perfect timing on my part. Um, it's called 32,000 Days. Uh, it's 
kind of an homage to my stepfather, who's 94, World War II vet, still alive, still healthy, still kicking ass, um, and about our journey together. It's not a historical record, uh, but it's an interesting record. And, you know, just working on new tonic music, and uh, we'll probably release that when we can get back out up on the road. But, you know, I'm around. I look forward to that, man. I look forward to seeing tonic uh, on stage. Uh, I, I did see you all, I want to say... I want to say it was in Tulsa, uh, God, when I was in college, mm-hmm. like late 90s. I mean, oh, not yeah, that we... you remember every one of your shows, but. Dude, there used to be a club, and it's not in Tulsa, but it was in Oklahoma City called Samurai Saki House. Yeah. And, man, it we used to roll in there starving because the guy who owned it, I forget what his name was. He's a very large Japanese fellow, and... Uh, he would say, you sit. And we would sit down after, before we'd play, and he'd just load us up with probably more MSG than any human body should have. But at that <laughs> age, <laughs> you could take it. Um, and he would ply us with sake, and then we would, you know, play for two hours and then get in the van. This is before we had, you know, we're in a bus, and uh, roll on to the next city. But, man, I always think about it. We have had some unbelievably fantastic times in Oklahoma. And my sister is yeah. a, a grad, too. She's a, from Stillwater there. All right. Your sister and I have a lot in common. I'm an mm-hmm. Oklahoma State grad. Yeah. All right. Go Pokes. Mm-hmm. Well, Emerson, uh, take the take your favorite glass. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm actually out of the wilderness, or not the wilderness, the, uh, the Kentucky Owl, so I'm uh, grabbing I'm what I have left here. Okay. I'm actually, gonna... no, I can pour a little bit more. Uh, don't waste it, buddy. <laughs> I'll I'll enjoy this here. We'll um we'll sip to some new to when we see Tonic on stage again. Yes, sir. I say to that. And let me let me let me ask you this question real quick before we go. Um okay. if you're at Hemingway's grave, what whiskey do you pour on his grave in Oxford, Mississippi? Uh I'd actually probably wouldn't do for a Faulkner. Whiskey. Uh well for Faulkner, um uh, Hmm. I think Faulkner. I think there's some uh, recorded, um, some recorded moments of him drinking Four Roses. Mm-hmm. I think I probably pour some Four Roses on him. Uh, in fact, hold on. Mm-hmm. Might even be this bottle right here. This is a this is a Four Roses from uh, the 1930s. Holy and, um, mother! In a blend like this. Actually, I just. I just had this with an Dominican Sioux, so. Man, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, this is this is a. By the way, it's a great whiskey too. That's probably what I'd pour on his grave. Hmm. Hemingway, I'd, I'd I'd do a rum. Yeah, a rum know, or a tequila. Probably a, a Cuban rum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Mark Twain, you know, a barrel of whiskey of any type. I don't think it matters. He's a whiskey <laughs> man. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, sir, thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure. I look forward to uh, hanging out with you in person one day and yeah, uh, drink it, drinking a bottle with you in, in, in the flesh. I would love that. Can't wait. Thanks for having me on your show. Sorry I looked like a helicopter pilot today. No, that's all right, man. <laughs> it's all good. You look great. Mm. Cheers. Cheers.
Wasn't that a great interview with um, with Emerson Hart? He's just such a cool dude. Uh, I mean, I can just imagine myself on a on a back porch, sun setting, sipping a nice uh, a nice brewski or a, or a good bourbon, and just talking about life. You know, I, and he's like he's an artist. I love artists. You know, I love people who can kind of you know speak their mind eloquently and describe what they're tasting and just have a good time. And so Emerson is definitely that guy. Now, if you haven't checked out his uh, solo album that just came out and really, well, I guess it didn't just come out, but it came out a couple months ago. Uh, it's called 30, 32,000 Days. Really, really good. I've actually been listening to it. It's been inspiring some writing for me. So I listen to that and 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 write. In fact, uh, a little known fact, uh, I wrote my first book, Camera Boy, entirely listening to Radiohead. So Radiohead had a big influence on on that book and kind of what came out. In every book I write, I have like a, a single band um, I typically listen to and uh, and write. So it's uh, it's great that you came. I'm glad that you got the inner opportunity to listen to to Emerson talk about whiskey and kind of his patterns and like what he like how he likes to drink and everything. And it's just uh, to me, just a really wonderful, wonderful guy. And I can't wait to have him back on the show later on. But that's going to do it for me this week. Be safe out there, guys. Be safe. Please be safe and follow the rules of your respective states. I know that some states are opening back up. There's questions about whether or not schools will reopen. Um, the distilleries are slowly allowing tours back in, but they've got a lot of uh, preventative measures, a lot of precautions. And here's the thing, guys is that you may not agree with the rule, you may not believe in, you know, whatever is causing that rule, but the fact is it is not uh, it is not the fault of the retailer or the restaurateur or the distillery in which you want to make your stand. I would say if you have one of those beliefs, don't take it out on the business owner that is just trying to make a living because it's very hard out there right now for everybody. And while I do believe we should all be wearing masks, I understand where some people stand. And I certainly am someone that understands many points of view and I listen to people. But I do not believe in, you know, taking taking a stand in someone else's place of business. If you're going to go to another place of business, be respectful of their business and the fact that they have to follow state law or get shut down. So not to get all political on the on the show, but that's unfortunately where we are right now. Uh, but I appreciate your time. I appreciate you tuning in. Make sure you're following me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search for my name, Fred Minnick. Give us a, a review while, while you're at it if you can. And uh, just a big, big thanks to everybody part of the show. Clay, Gary, Justin, Pamela, you guys are the best. Thank you so, so much. So that'll do it, folks. Be safe out there and be kind to one another. Vodka sucks. Cheers. You've been listening to The Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by Beeline. Visit findyoursippingpoint.com by Michter's American Whiskies. For more information on Fred's books, articles, and more, just go to fredminnick.com.